This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg, reporting from Tallahassee. If you're getting unemployment benefits, it's about to get more difficult. The governor will be reinstating a requirement that people in the unemployment system submit weekly work search updates. You have a surplus of jobs, and particularly in, in restaurant, lodging, hospitality, uh, that, that people want to hire. I mean, you see these signs all over the place. Look, that's a good problem to have. Ron DeSantis steps up his attacks on the CDC, accusing the scientists of playing politics. With all due respect to the CDC, I mean, if you look at some of the stuff that they've done on school openings where they're basically uh, doing the teachers unions bidding when they say these these kids should be masked at summer camp outdoors. I'm sorry, that's not science. That's politics. One of DeSantis's biggest gripes is that the CDC wants cruise ships to require most of their passengers to be vaccinated. The cruise industry is OK with the idea, but not the gov. Our guest today on the Sunrise interview is Charlie Crist, the former governor who wants to replace our current governor. I think we are very different in our style and, and how we treat our, our fellow men and women. And um, I think that's important. I think that people want in leaders somebody who does have compassion, uh, somebody who they think does care and think about them and wants to look out for their best interest. Governor DeSantis hits the road to promote those $1,000 COVID bonus checks for first responders. $1,000 bonuses for every sworn law enforcement officer, every EMT, every firefighter, and every paramedic in the state of Florida. DeSantis presented the ceremonial big check at a police station in Satellite Beach, a fire station in Temple Terrace, and the sheriff's office in Fort Myers. The state Supreme Court hears an appeal from a Florida man who claims he attacked his boss because he was standing his ground with a hammer. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and the story of a Florida man busted in Nebraska with a van full of ATMs that were stuffed with marijuana. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, May 6th. This is International No Diet Day, National Nurses Day, and National Tourist Appreciation Day. This is also the National Day of Prayer, and there will be a ceremony on the steps of the old Capitol building to pray for our state and our country. It starts at 11.30 in the morning and goes on until 1.15 in the afternoon. On this date in 1837, an American blacksmith created the very first steel plow. His name was John Deere. In 1851, Dr. John Gorey of Apalachicola patented a refrigeration machine. He's the father of air conditioning and refrigeration, and the guy who made Florida livable during the summer. Each state gets to place a statue of two of its exemplary citizens at Statuary Hall in Congress. Gorey is one of Florida's statues. And on this date in 1937, the German airship Hindenburg exploded and burned in New Jersey. It was the end of the age of Zeppelins. Florida's Department of Health reported 4,394 new cases of COVID Wednesday and 82 additional fatalities. Our death toll has reached 36,184. The total number of COVID cases is just shy of 2,254,000. If you receive unemployment benefits in Florida, you're going to have to start looking for work. State law requires people who apply for jobless benefits to submit proof every week that they are searching for a new gig. That rule was suspended last year because there were no jobs. But Governor Ron DeSantis says businesses are now hiring, so the work search requirement will be reinstated on May 29th. 
The job search is going to be required uh, going forward. I believe at the end of this month, uh, Dane Eagle's working on that in DEO. We suspended that last year at this time because quite frankly, there weren't jobs. And so we had a crush on the unemployment system. Uh, we had people having to go on the system to, to do job search. We said, you know what? That's not the best way to get, to get the money out. So that's what we did. I think it was the right thing to do, but I think now we're in a, just a different situation. You have a surplus of jobs and particularly in, in restaurant, lodging, hospitality, uh, that, that people want to hire. I mean, you see these signs all over the place. Look, that's a good problem to have, but we also just want to make sure, like, look, if you're really unemployed and can't get a job, that's one thing, uh, but making sure that, that you're doing your due diligence to look for work. I mean, this is a good problem to have compared to seeing people. You're in some parts of the country, these businesses are dead. They're never coming back. This is the heavy hand of government crushing family businesses, ruining jobs, and destroying millions of people's lives. The governor trashes the CDC again, accusing the health care experts of making decisions based on politics instead of science. He's upset they're recommending that people continue to wear a mask after they're vaccinated. What the Washington bureaucrats say is, we want you to get vaccinated, but when you get vaccinated, understand you gotta wear six masks and you can never come within 100 feet. No one at the CDC is recommending six masks or 100 feet of social distancing after being vaccinated, but never let the facts get in the way of your narrative, right? Now, where were we? That is a terrible message to send because you're sending the message that the vaccines don't work. The message should be, you know, if you do it, you're protected. But the governor's biggest complaint is that the CDC says vaccine passports will be required once the cruise ships are sailing again. Remember, DeSantis has already banned the use of vaccine passports in Florida, and he says the entire cruise ship industry is being hobbled by the feds. The CDC has mothballed this for over a year. They said that it was going to be two weeks last March. Now here we are over a year later and there's no end in sight. Now they say you can only cruise if you have 98% people show proof of vaccination, but that's ridiculous. They're cruising in other parts of the world where they don't even have availability of vaccines yet, where they have much higher COVID than in the United States. And oh, by the way, if you don't let them sail from Florida, which is one of our major industries, they're gonna sail from the Bahamas. So that is fundamentally unfair. It makes no sense. And we are suing the CDC right now. Think about the larger implication of this. Do you want one unelected bu bureaucracy to be able to have the power to indefinitely shut down a major industry in this country? They do not have that authority to do it. That's why we're suing them. But this has much larger implications than just cruise ships sailing or not. This has implications for potentially any industry. And look, with all due respect to the CDC, I mean, if you look at some of the stuff that they've done on school openings, where they're basically uh, doing the teachers unions bidding, when they say these, these kids should be masked at summer camp outdoors, I'm sorry, that's not science, that's politics. The governor was in Satellite Beach Wednesday for another one of those mission accomplished moments. DeSantis invited the local cops to join him to talk about the new anti-riot law and for the presentation of one of those oversized checks to signify the $1,000 bonus that will be going to first responders like law enforcement officers, firefighters and EMTs. We uh, are here today to announce uh, that the mission's been accomplished on a lot of what we set out to do to support our men and women in law enforcement this legislative session. One is when we passed our uh, anti-rioting bill, uh, we had a very strong provision in there that said, we are not going to let local governments defund law enforcement, okay? We're gonna make sure at the state level we protect our communities. Yeah. Yeah. 
And if you try to do it, we're going to fight back and we're going to defend the people of this state. But the other thing that we fought for was the recognition that uh, when the coronavirus pandemic hit, you, know, you had some people, and I don't begrudge them from doing this, but you had some people working in for different companies, whatever, they would just work on Zoom from their from their bedroom or from their living room. Um, a lot of them were, were not even out and about doing stuff. Well, the people that wear the uniform, they didn't have that luxury, okay? They were out there every single day, uh, our, our police, our fire, our EMTs, uh, and they had to work more than they ever have, uh, not just to deal uh, with uh, protecting us uh, on the pandemic hit, but then obviously, uh, how police were treated last year in many parts of the country was a total disgrace. And, uh, and they had to put the uniform on. Yes, they knew that the state of Florida had their back, and I think we did much better in Florida. Uh, but if you look at what a lot of these police officers are dealing with now, um, it's terrible. So I thought it was important to recognize the service, uh, to recognize the sacrifice. Uh, and I asked the legislature in this legislative session, we need to do bonuses. Uh, for law enforcement. Some wanted to fund the police. We're funding the police and then some. And so the legislature has passed and I will when I sign the budget, which will hopefully be relatively soon, uh, we'll sign into law $1,000 bonuses for every sworn law enforcement officer, every EMT, every firefighter, and every paramedic in the state of Florida. Satellite Beach Police Chief Jeff Pearson says they're thankful for the bonus and the anti-riot bill, but he went a bit further and urged the governor to sign another bill that's designed to set new standards for law enforcement officers and weed out the bad apples who have a history of using excessive force. In a year like no other, law enforcement remains steadfast to serve and protect, sometimes even at the risk of their own family's well-being. We want to thank Governor DeSantis for proposing and delivering on the $1,000 bonuses for first responders in recognition of that hardship endured by those who served over the past year. The Florida Police Chiefs Association also thanks Governor DeSantis for his leadership in House Bill 1, which will enable law enforcement to better protect the lives and property of every Floridian. Violent and disorderly assembly is destroying property, harassing and threatening citizens, going about their businesses, attacking law enforcement, and those are unacceptable. House Bill 1 addresses these issues head on and will ensure that peaceful protesters can safely exercise their constitutional rights without the threat of having their voices hijacked by the violent actions of others. Finally, because our mission is to continuously enhance law enforcement professionalism in the state of Florida, the Florida Police Chiefs Association established a subcommittee on accountability and societal change, hosting over 23 meetings with community leaders since June of 2020 to review law enforcement practices, policies, and determine how we can better serve our customers, the community. Thanks to the legislature, House Bill 7051 will soon be on its way to your desk, Governor. The legislation builds on the many subcommittee's recommendations and is the right way to address reform, factual and balanced, ever mindful of the de dedication and sacrifice law enforcement officers but equally committed to the public safety and accountability. That police standards bill was the legislature's response to the Black Lives Matter movement, as was HB1, two very different sides of the same coin. The governor also held press conferences at a fire station in Temple Terrace and the sheriff's office in Fort Myers to talk about those $1,000 bonuses. 
Our guest today on the Sunrise Interview is former state senator, former education commissioner, former attorney general, former governor, and current congressman Charlie Crist of St. Petersburg. Crist announced Tuesday he's running for governor, and he's the first Democrat to jump into the race. Welcome to the podcast, Congressman. And why don't we start out by just asking, why in the world would anyone who has escaped from the Tallahassee swamp ever want to come back? Uh, because it needs to be fixed. I mean, it's pretty obvious to me and, and, and sad to say this, but I'm concerned about uh, Governor DeSantis' leadership, uh, not accepting Medicaid expansion on behalf of 800,000 of our fellow Floridians who need health care, uh, not respecting a woman's right to choose about her own health care, uh, not supporting public education the way I think it needs to be supported to help our K-12 through system as well as our colleges and universities uh, make uh, the opportunity to thrive and not supporting Bright Future scholarships the way that they, they should be protected. Um, and it goes on and on. I just I just think Florida deserves better. And I think we need a Florida for all so that all people are respected, no matter uh, the color of your skin, the part of the state you live in, how much you contribute to his campaign. Um, and, you know, it has people that uh, are cutting the line to get a vaccine. It just uh, every day it's something new and it's something wrong. And I, I, you know, I think Florida, as I say, deserves better. Now, during your years as governor, you were known as a populist, a, a, a people person, basically. Uh, DeSantis yeah. appears to be a little bit of the, well, diametric opposite, um, you know, from, from not acknowledging the death toll on COVID to, you know, basically picking fights with reporters during press conferences. What do you make of his style and appearance? Is this just reflective of the tone in politics these days? Um, well, it, it apparently his tone and, and politics, I don't think it's reflective of, of mine. I, I think we are very different in our style and, and how we treat our, our fellow men and women. And um, I think that's important. Uh, I think that people want in leaders somebody who does have compassion, uh, somebody who they think does care and think about them and, and wants to look out for their best interest. And you know, wants to give, as I said, a woman a right to choose, wants to make sure that the vaccines are distributed fairly, acknowledges the fact that 36,000 deaths by this uh, horrible pandemic is not something that uh, that anyone can be proud of and, and certainly somebody something that somebody should be compassionate about. And, you know, more of a Joe Biden type leader, I think, is what people want now, especially after four years of what we had before he got elected president. Uh, I see some similar traits between the current governor and our former president. Um, you know, people want, I think, people who lead and serve with a heart, public servants that aren't politicians, but try to be servants and serve truly with a servant's heart, uh, to understand that the people are the boss. Uh, they're the ones who run democracy, and that needs to be respected. Now, is it an issue, do you think, in Florida that DeSantis is such a, a, a mini-me when it comes to Donald Trump, that he has embraced so many of the philosophies that uh, came out of the Trump White House? Well, yeah, I think that's exactly what he is. Um, you know, he seems to embrace his policies and uh, almost seems to comport himself in the same kind of style. And, uh, you know, I just don't think that's what Floridians want. I know they voted for it back in November, November the 3rd of last year. But a lot's happened politically in our country since then. And I think the most notable single event that has happened since that election was the January 6th uh, insurgency on our United States Capitol, uh, encouraged by the former president. And I think that woke people up, Rick, in a, in a big way and, and really turned heads and said, you know what? Enough is enough. We have had this kind of thing. 
Uh, we've been exposed to it for four years, exposed to it now for two years uh, during the DeSantis administration, and we're not going to stand for it anymore. And we need a change, and we deserve a choice. Uh, and that's why I'm running for governor, to give them that choice. That's why Joe Biden ran for president, to give the people that choice. Uh, and I think the people deserve it. And they'll make up their mind. They're smart. And they know what they want, and they'll decide. And I look forward to the to the campaign ahead. Now, you made it clear during your announcement that COVID and the state's response to COVID will be an issue in your campaign. What did Ron DeSantis do wrong? Because he certainly seems to think he got everything right. Oh, I know he thinks that. I mean, you know, it's, it's bizarre to me to, you know, have somebody that's uh, in our governor going around the state kind of thumping your chest about what a great job you did. 36,000 of our fellow Floridians are gone. That is not something to, to brag about. I mean, that's a horrible number. It's unconscionable. And what did he do wrong? He didn't have a plan. He still doesn't have one. It's shocking. And, and you know, when they're putting out numbers, they won't reflect those and share those with the media in a way that is required by our sunshine laws. I mean, talk about a lack of transparency. It, it's, it's amazing. It's like delay, deny, put it off until hopefully the next election occurs so nobody finds out what really happened and why they really didn't give out all the information that the people have a right to. I mean, that that it directly comes to your industry and the right to have free speech and transparency and sunshine laws in Florida respected. I mean, the guy's a lawyer, I think, you know, I, I think he went to some pretty good schools and to not understand that that's the law and that is the, the chief officer of the state of Florida. You ought to be going along with the law rather than, you know, not and ignoring it. Uh, so he got that wrong. He got it wrong by not having a plan. He got it wrong the other day in my hometown. When he signed an executive order saying that local governments can't put in their own input into what they think is appropriate to keep their citizens safe, whether it's a mask ruling or social distancing or whatever it might be. You know, the Republican Party used to be a party that believed, Rick, that, you know, the government that governs closest to the people does the best. Well, this governor and this legislature seem to think that they need to have everything governed by Tallahassee with an iron fist. And that's wrong. It's just wrong. They're not respecting the over 400 cities in our state, the 67 counties that make up a beautiful Florida. And those places, those counties, and I'm in, you know, Escambia County today in Pensacola, they deserve to be respected. It's important. And we need to have a governor that will do it again. And that's why I'm running. Of course, to get the shot at Ron DeSantis, you have to win the Democratic primary. And it's looking pretty crowded already. I mean, Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed, Congresswoman Val Demings, both looking at this race. Well, are the Democrats going to cancel each other out? I don't know. I mean, I don't know who is running yet, except for me. Um, we'll see. Um, and I would encourage anybody who wants to run to run, of course. Uh, but right now, it's me and the governor. By the way, I did find one interesting thing going through the files after they uh, abolished the Lawton Childs uh, endowment this oh, year. I can't believe they did that. Yeah. I found this old. You remember when uh, you were in the state Senate and there was a hearing about some of the shenanigans that occurred in the uh, election? I think it was of 94. Oh, the senior calls. The yeah, senior, exactly. The senior call. Yeah. You yeah. will you will not believe the soundbite I found from that. You ready? Tell me. Yeah, tell me. Show me. Some time ago, Governor, you gave me the copy of a, a very good book entitled The Death of Common Sense. You need to read the book. Classic Lawton. Classic. He was great. The guy was unbelievable, wasn't he? And you know what? In those hearings, too, and, and he sat with Buddy. They, they did it together, which I understood and appreciated and respected, of course. But I remember... Um, you know, we were talking about what happened in the campaign, and he said, you know what? The campaign did do that. And I'm like, they did? He goes, yeah, but they didn't tell me. 
And and you know what, Rick? I believe him to this day. I do. He's a good man. Is that sort of honesty missing in modern American politics? No question about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, look at what the Republicans talk about and how they demonize everybody. I mean, Liz Cheney is having some courage. I mean, true courage to, to get up and say, look, you know, we lost the election. Wake up. And, and they're castigating her for being honest. I mean, they've, they've lost it. They just lost it. It's crazy. And the, the other concern that was raised about your candidacy is that uh, your congressional seat would be open to Republicans, and maybe the U.S. House could lose the Democratic majority. Is that something you thought about before jumping in the Gov's race? Well, I didn't think about it as it would relate to me. I thought about it as it would relate to the seat, and I talked to several people who I thought would be very good candidates, and, and all of them are giving it serious consideration, and I had a very serious talk with the Speaker about that, and she was pleased that I had done that. And your campaign slogan, Florida for all. What, yeah. What's the message you're trying to send there? It's for everybody. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter what part of the state you're from. It, it doesn't matter how long you've been here. If you're an immigrant or the son of immigrants, it doesn't matter. You know how wealthy you are. This should be a state for everyone. We're all children of God. We all deserve respect. We all should be treated well. For all. Our guest today on the Sunrise Interview has been Congressman Charlie Crist, who launched his campaign for governor two days ago. A Florida man who attacked his boss with a hammer is asking the state Supreme Court to overturn his conviction because he was standing his ground and defending himself. Roy Boston of Tallahassee was convicted of misdemeanor battery, but his attorney, Lori Wilner, told the court this case should never have reached the jury because Boston did not have a fair hearing on his stand-your-ground claim. The case never should have gone to the jury if it had been done properly. There's no dispute in this case that the trial court erred in placing the burden on the defense rather than on the state. This legal error cannot be found harmless under the facts of this case, because when evaluated properly, the evidence shows that Mr. Boston could have been entitled to immunity. If the hearing was conducted properly, Mr. Boston may have been entitled to immunity. The case never gets to the jury. The statute provides for um, not being arrested, not being detained, not being prosecuted. He waived all of that, Your Honor, but he didn't waive his right to be convicted when he may have been entitled to immunity. And that's exactly what all the, the cases say, is the whole purpose is to not allow someone to reach that point if they may be entitled to immunity. But the state's lawyer, Senior Deputy Solicitor General Christopher Baum, told the court Boston should not get another bite at the apple because his own lawyers waived his rights at the original trial. This is a simple case. Section 776.032 granted defendants a right to avoid being subjected to trial. Now here, petitioner waived that right even after uh, he had heard before the jury was sworn that the court chose the incorrect standard. Now, to the extent that petitioner now argues that he didn't waive the right to a proper hearing, that was harmless error. The jury rejected petitioner's claim of self-defense beyond a reasonable doubt. The petitioner does not contend that his trial was unfair in any way. He does not contend that his ability to present evidence on his self-defense claim was limited in any way. And he does not contend that he would present any different evidence at a new pretrial immunity hearing. The high court took the case under advisement and gave no indication when it would issue a decision. 
But we do know that the Florida Supreme Court releases opinions today. That's happening at 11. Former State Representative Matt Caldwell, who's now the Lee County Property Appraiser, speaks to the Tiger Bay Club of Southwest Florida at noon in Fort Myers. The Florida DOT holds a hearing at 5.30 in Punta Gorda about plans for a portion of the Tamiami Trail in Charlotte County. And at 6.30, the Institute of Politics at Florida State University will host Senator Angus King of Maine in its virtual speaker series. He's one of only two independent U.S. senators. And finally today, a Florida man has been busted in Nebraska with more than 400 pounds of marijuana after a traffic stop for failing to use his turn signal when exiting the highway. State troopers say they found 14 ATMs and a big safe inside the Mercedes Sprinter van with packages of marijuana hidden inside. Total weight, 426 pounds, plus more than $9,000 in cash in a duffel bag. 36-year-old Gilbert Fernandez of Cooper City is charged with possession of more than a pound of marijuana, possession with intent to deliver, and possession of money during a drug violation. That's it for this installment of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.